if you wanted something to talk about, I was interested to see that Jeannie Thomas testified before the January 6th uh, committee in a mm. closed-door meeting. She testified for like four hours or so. Um, apparently, she answered every question. I am really interested to see what her answers were yeah, um, because she has some explaining to do. Is My question is with her, like if she is a part of all the things that, you know, are rumored and claimed to be like can how would they go about removing clarence thomas from office uh that's the, that's one of the big questions right yeah I don't, I don't know i don't know even if she um did do some bad stuff even if that would rise to the level that clarence thomas had mm. to be removed maybe maybe you know people could ask for his resignation and there could be some sort of threat to the Supreme Court's legitimacy, in which case he's not going to do it. Yeah. Um, They could try to stack the court and then force resignations that way Mm -hmm. um, by trying to change or delegitimize the court. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, I don't know. The one thing I'm sure about is that there is some kind of um, climax that we're headed towards with the Supreme Court, especially with this new term and the worries that it's going to swing even more towards the far right. Um, I wouldn't say far right, but you know, I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I mean, don't know. You know, the, the Dobbs decision was pretty cray cray. And which was, which one that was, was that? The, that was the, uh, the, the one that uh, um, prevented states from, or, or allowed states to make abortion illegal. I mean, that overturned Roe v. Wade. The Roe v. Wade decision. I mean, we've talked about this. I think, you know, I'm pro, I'm pro choice, you know, but what's my thing is at the end of the day, if it's bipartisan, why not let states decide, you know, what they want? I personally think it should be up to like, you know, the counties and the cities, like what you allow in your cities, because again, what you'd see in like Texas is, you know, Austin and some of the major populated areas would be blue and they would allow abortion. You know what I mean? Well, to bring it back to Clarence Thomas, he is, um, uh, in his early days, he was a black nationalist, mm-hmm. um, but not in the way that you or I might think of the term. Mm-hmm. He seems to believe in struggle as um, the guiding principle of self-actualization. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you have to get, struggle to get to the top yeah, and get to so, Yeah, I was, I was listening that. to a, a great Vox interview um, with uh, a guy who wrote a biography. Mm-hmm. on him that I'd recommend Vox Conversations is the podcast and Clarence Thomas and I want to cycle this back to Jane Thomas as well mm-hmm. uh, uh, so the, the implication that his his, his biographer um, uh, alleged was that he, he's into this theory of, of struggle and it makes some kind of sense to it as long as you don't like look too closely at it's like fascist and Naziist connotations yeah um, uh, because my Kampf is my struggle um, he he believed um, in in college at least and, and coming out of college he was he was a progressive leftist um, mm-hmm. but a black nationalist he believed that it wasn't fair to black people to uh, have um, civil rights gains given to them by um, the, the colonialist white masters right mm-hmm. so um, the only th- Thing worse than somebody who is a, a racist and hates black people is some northerner that's giving out handouts yeah. and patting themselves on the back yeah right um and he's thinking about this the implication is when he's thinking about gun control 
or lack thereof and uh, abortion and his policy slate. He's thinking we need a higher risk world where people need to struggle more in order to achieve self-actualization and his is that ideal, that's your interpretation of this that, that this was like mine and, and his and 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 his his biographer's interpretation of his okay. philosophy right now i'm to, i'm totally in on that um and and the example is is in, in it's it's a it's a description of a world where men are um achieving self-actualization through empowerment and subjugation of other people he's into like protecting women for instance mm. from things like abortion and from women's own choices so right? he's like and, traditional and, yeah kind, is he like religious like, yes yeah. yeah so then yeah, yeah that's where that comes from right yeah, yeah. and and he, he's probably also a dualist so he believes in the souls of the many well, black okay, children that have died that what? old trope Besides mm-hmm. that, I mean, I know that the the Roe v. Wade thing was one of the big ones that like people were kind of you know pissed about. But I, the point I was trying to make earlier, of, like going through this whole thing, is you know, as an independent, people have to come together. And so, like one of the ways of doing that is allowing states to, you know, uh, you know, make their own decision about abortion. I personally don't like agree with it because again, I'm I'm pro I'm pro choice, but you know. In my mind, I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, it's kind of bipartisan because at the end of the day, Democratic states are still going to have abortion. You know, Republican states may not. But again, that's why I said, you know, the only solution in this instance is besides packing the damn court is to, you know, allow the counties or the cities to, you know, come up with anything like that. And so the point I'm getting at is, you know. There's so many reasons that people want him off the court, and you know this him and his wife and, and, and his, Alito. I also want Alito off the court. Yeah, there's a Screw bunch of pe- there's a bunch of reasons why people want you know the the court yeah. to be become more you know leftist and everything. Um, but you know, I kind of it's like one of those things. Like again, as an independent, I don't agree with everything on the Republican side. I don't agree with everything on the Democratic side. But I know for a fact, if there was more Democrats in there, they would absolutely try to destroy Second Amendment rights. And like that for me. Like, hey, praise to Thomas for that. Because of so, are you a single decision. issue voter on that? Like, like that in and of itself is the one reason I do not want Democrats. You I, know, I as, think you probably might be able to relate to some of Thomas's um, philosophy here. Mm-hmm. In that, you know, you're okay, or you want, or you prefer a world where everybody can have a gun mm-hmm. um, to defend themselves, even if that means a higher risk world where you're more likely to be attacked or someone is likely to use that gun for some sort of political or personal goal at the mm. expense of yourself. You're all right with that I mean, because you have the gun as well. Yeah, right? and, and so there's a the struggle the there that you're committing everyone to in the uh, thought that you will self-actualize and succeed in that struggle. Well, I'm, I'm, I just look at this more as like, there's things you can do gun control wise for people with mental health. Like we've talked about in the past, like, you know, there's definitely policies that can be introduced. There's definitely like safe storage laws that we can introduce. Um, stuff like that. Like I'm okay with stuff like that, but you know, looking at the overall numbers, it just doesn't really make sense. Especially now you see it's campaign season, Biden and Kamala. Oh, no reason you should have an AR 15 and deers with Kevlar vest. It's like, that's not what the second amendment was made for. The statistics don't even back you up. Like the two, two, three was specifically made for a civilian populace. No military in the world uses it. Like there's so many, like statistically, statistically proven gun control. Not only does it not work, but like the things that they're trying to preach right now, especially against, you know, AR-15s and like rifles, 
just do not add up. We can come back to this. We've talked yeah, a lot yeah, about yeah. it. I, so, but to bring it back to Ginny and, and Clarence, they're both engaged in a struggle and they have each other in this struggle yeah, against they, they the Washington Swamp and, and the elites yeah. and uh, their embrace of conspiracy theories. And I, I wouldn't include say cons- Clarence in this. Maybe, um, I, I would like, I'd say give him the benefit of the doubt that. and say, you know, maybe his wife is involved in a few different things that she shouldn't be in. Um, and you know, we're, we're going to see that in this investigation. Um, but I do definitely see that Clarence Thomas is more doing things just to screw with the democratic party as he literally he, he stated has avowed he, that. Yeah. yeah You've he heard that quote. That. Yeah, yeah. Where he was like, they, I just want to make for, liberals cry or something to that. Yeah. Effect. He said something about like, they'd mess with me for years. So I'm going to make their life. Yeah. Hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, we gotta, we gotta find that quote. Cause it's yeah, a good one. I mean, but again, so I, I get it, you know, in the sense of, um, you know, that, and like, like I said, we'll see what happens with this investigation because I'm actually interested to see like what her role is with pretty much everything in the Trump administration. And like, is Clarence Thomas connected? The one thing I just don't want to come out of this is like a, a bid to push Thomas off the Supreme court and packing the Supreme court is one of the things that I just don't want to see. The specific connection that they're looking at, um, the implication is that, uh, John Eastman, the, uh, rampaging lawyer in the uh, Trump White House that was mm-hmm. drafting memos to try to work on like a unitary executive theory where Trump could just take the presidency. Yeah. Um, uh, knew somehow through quote unquote sources that there would be some votes on the Supreme Court on the Trump administration's side if they were to try to bring a case involving um, uh, disputing the Electoral Count Act and yeah. the electors. Um, and that was probably Clarence and Thomas. That was probably wife. wife. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, it makes and sense. So they're looking for emails between them that suggest that communication. And so, what's the worst that would happen to her in the instance of, you know. Maybe seditious conspiracy. You never know. That could be so. a thing. Um, but uh, probably just uh, hopefully blackballed from society. Yeah. I mean. I'd settle for that. I mean, we'll, we'll, like, like I said, we'll see what happens. I just. Man. It's just, it's interesting. It's an interest, interesting time in Washington because everybody always is affiliated with somebody and they can always, Democrat and Republican, they're all into some shady something on both sides. You know, it was the, the Republicans also this last week that shot down uh, an attempt to uh, keep track and of, of uh, financial dealings uh, by congressmen. Um, and uh, make more transparent campaign donations. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and it's, obviously the Republicans are, are getting a lot more benefit than the Democrats from but our untransparent campaign donations. Are. Well, it was the Democrats that were for killing them. So yeah, I'm going to give them, them a point on this. So how, what was the vote? Uh, was I don't it know. All, was it all Republicans versus all Democrats? I don't Demo- know the specifics. You'd have to look yeah. it up. Um, okay. But it was it was all Republicans voted against it. Yeah. It was probably a, a, a filibuster, so they prevented it oh. from getting to the floor in the first place. Oh, okay. Um, but all the Democrats voted to move it to the floor. Hmm. I don't know. That's that's something I want to see. But like, no, no, I was impressed because like it, it was would... uh, getting bashed on the conservative subreddit. Um, yeah. Even. Well, that's what I'm, I'm. I'm. It's more of like that thing of both sides do get donations from both sides and like all different. Oh, you, you know how it is. Like the the way that you know the. The lobbying system works. I mean, 
It's not, it's not so true because some candidates get more small don- donations than others, and some candidates yeah. de- deliberately do not take donations like, from you know, corporations Michael like Bloomberg Bernie Sanders and, and whatnot. And then, you know, people Michael who run Bloomberg on their own money and whatnot. His billions of dollars. Yeah, well, you know, he didn't win the primary, and probably that's that's probably why. Yeah. he's a jerk face. So, I mean, either way, I'm just saying both sides do it. Um, I'm not surprised the Republicans would want to do that. I mean, come on. Like, unless – I think the only way – you know, we're going to see any real changes through like independents and third party people in our country, because at the end of the day, Republicans and Democrats both benefit from this and they do not want to see their power taken. You introduce other parties. I mean, they're gone. They're, they're gone. Like Republicans and Democrats don't have much have, faith in Andrew Yang's experiment. No, not at all. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like either. Andrew Yang's policies um, just because I feel like they're a little like. Like, I just feel like Democrats, too, are just way too idealistic on things. And, like, they don't understand, like, oh, we should try this first. We should try this first. It's just, like, give people money. Just give people money. It's like, I'll give Andrew Yang some credit. He wanted to turn the State of the Union address into mm-hmm. a uh, corporate-style uh, slideshow meeting where he mm-hmm. would present statistics on the state of the nation, mm-hmm. those various State of the Union. Well, look, I'm not thing. saying, like, as a whole, he's a bad person or, like, all oh, his no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Andrew Yang fan. You know, I, yeah. I love that he's in there experimenting and throwing but, things out but there. But see, like, I, we've talked about this before. With UBI, for me, it's that thing of, like, if people that are making, like, under 25000 or $30,000 a year. Why are we just like give them money instead of like they don't have to pay taxes? Do you want to have the UBI discussion? That That is too in-depth for, for right now. But my point is, is that, you know, my view, my opinionated view of UBI is just like, why don't we try other things before just hand them money? You know, because that essentially creates, you know, tons of tax burden from the government because now that money that could have been placed oh well now another... i now i have to respond because it's uh sort of that you're gonna talk about how it goes back money. into the economy and it no, allows no, them no, to no, go no, out no, yeah no. i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this out there in this this one thing um what do you think money is uh a um indicator of uh, a, a quantitative indicator of it's like used for you know it's a common what's you learn this in school. It's like it's a common thing um, that everybody understands. Let me, let me throw this at you. This is an example um, dealing with inflation, I think, from Freakonomics. It might have been from Josh Barrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have um, $100 million, and mm-hmm. you want to make uh, 11 jets. But mm-hmm. each jet costs $10 million. Um, so you need that other $10 million. Um, do you print that money? The question is not... Um, how much money uh, do I have now and how mm. much money should I print? The question is, can I make 11 jets? If we have the productive capacity to make 11 jets, we need to alter the money supply in order to respect that. Mm. The problem arises when you print 120 million, but only make 11 jets and only have the capacity to make 11 jets. Mm. And then you order the 12th jet and then the production line gets squeezed and that jet doesn't come off the line and now each jet is worth less relative to the monetary supply. Yeah. The Fed is bringing down right now or attempting to bring down the monetary supply relative to the amount of productive capacity it thinks we have. Mm-hmm. The idea behind universal basic income is not simply that you give people money, but that you allocate a numerical account of their productive capacity and their needs. So when you're giving people $2,000 a month, you're saying, 
society is going to produce about $2,000 worth of goods and services for that person to continue living mm. and producing in that society as well. But that's a massive tax burden. It's not a tax burden. It's actually just allocating an amount of money but, but you get, but per you, total You can see the, the, the cons to that of like, you know, again, with me, it's like, well, we have homelessness, we have crime, we have education, we have all kinds of things that, you know, need attention infrastructure. Um, and so it's like, do I want to focus on that now? That's why, you know, I keep talking to you about like homelessness and it getting solved and them mm-hmm. spilling $6 billion because it's like, well, UBI my thing doesn't, is... The UBI doesn't preclude people from working. In, mm-hmm. in fact, it, the idea is that it's quite the opposite in that um, when people are freed up from uh, being trapped into like the wage cycle, mm-hmm. um, they are more able to pick and choose what they want to work on. But it, and that we're seeing will that now. Reorgan- yeah, right. We're seeing some of that now. And that, it will involve a reorganization of where people allocate their time. And ideally, we all know what we need to allocate our time on. We we know the problems, crime, homelessness, food scarcity, shortages, yeah. childcare, healthcare, et cetera, but et cetera. But we're seeing that that has but done the, nothing. The, well, the, the capitalist system and the few elites at the top are not allocating capital towards workforces to address those problems. They're allocating it towards online gambling, which we're going to talk about, and other extractive things, and making dozens and dozens of SpongeBob-shaped shampoo bottles that we don't need. Okay, but that's the thing is, you know, we saw that with the pandemic is people were just getting a ton of money and they were just like, I don't want to go back to this job. You know, okay, understandable. You know, you want to go find something better. You want to, you know, make your life better, whatever. I understand that. But what's to say that people won't take advantage of this and be like, oh, well, my rent's paid for. You know, now I don't have to work as much. Now I don't want to work as much. There's a debate about whether or not that actually um, kept people from working uh, or changed their um, account of whether or not they needed to work. Uh, But what's definitely true is that they did other things with their time that were also valuable to them in society. What were those things? That's why, like, for this, for UBI, for me, I'd have to see, like, the actual, like, facts and, like, statistics on, like, how it would work and like ways it could go bad and all different kinds of stuff like that. Because again, for me, I'm thinking like, why don't we just start with like, you know, less taxes on the on the lower class, you know? I mean, Newsom wants to overtax everybody anyway. We're gonna talk about that as well with, uh, you know, I'm wanting to tax millionaires. But I mean, I look at it as, you know, if they're already working, what's an easy way to help people in the lower class? Make it so they don't have to pay income tax. They did a trial in uh, Northern California, I think in Oakland. There also might've been one in, in, in Fresno or Modesto. Um, where they gave people $2,000 a month or so. And they found that uh, broadly it improved their life outcomes even long term. And um, yeah, definitely. Like, obviously, if you, if you, need, well, if right? you can pay your rent now, the government's giving you money to pay for your rent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, you now have like $2,000 that you can invest, do whatever you want to mm-hmm. do with. Mm-hmm. But my point is, is, is that something we need now when there's so many other things that, you know, there's current issues with like the whole point I was trying to get to earlier is, you know, with Gavin Newsom spending $6 billion a year on homelessness. That's 12 oh, no. billion. No, that's $12 you billion. You mentioned that quote every single podcast. Look, we look, have. Let me, let me, let me <clears> get into <throat> it. So essentially for me, I want to see things get finished and get done. Right. So if he solves homelessness, then now you have another $6 billion a year that you can put elsewhere where it's like, Oh, now we have the money to do UBI. Now we have the money to do this. We have the money to do that. You know what I mean? But essentially what I'm seeing from the government is like, let's create more programs and create more programs and create more programs. And then none of the issues get solved. And then, you know, they're like 
kind of getting mitigated by these like programs that are kind of helping. And, you know, now we got to raise taxes on the upper class and now we got to do this and now we got to do that. And it's just kind of like, why don't you just solve a damn issue and then be like, okay, now that we've solved the issue and it's taking a small portion of our budget now, why don't we reallocate those funds to a different area? Why don't we just solve the issue? Man, that's the, you know, that's the ultimate question. Why don't, why don't we just well, go we, down we, to the money we've, orchard and we've pull had the money this off conversation. the, the money tree? And, we've know. had this conversation with interest groups and everybody mm-hmm. has their mm-hmm. own way of wanting to do things and that Newsom has to appease everybody. And because, life is hard. Yes, it, it's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. But you get what, what I'm saying is it's just like one more thing to be like, okay, well, we're going to do UBI in California, and then next year it's going to be another 1% on the upper class, which then furthers their reasons to leave the state, which then furthers the economic I think we're going to have to come back to UBI because you still yeah. have this sort of mentality that it's about uh, you know taking from public coffers and then giving to people. And it's, it's really So you're telling me really it doesn't come out of tax dollars? Reallocation. It doesn't come out of tax dollars. It, it does. No, tax dollars and UBI... Are the same thing. It's like it's like paying the but people no, a tax. But that's but it, that's my it, point. It's the, the tax whole, dollars. It the come, whole, does no, it, no, no, wait, that, no, no. Whole, yes or no? I have a yes or no question. Does it come out of the budget? Does it come out of the budget? Yes. That or no? doesn't make sense. It How is the it, budget. We are budgeting people. You're you're trying to like be vague and like no no you know, be, no no. You're thinking about it in in completely financial terms and not in um economic terms mm. or like ecological terms. Well, yeah, because I'm looking at it as California has a hundred and some billion dollars a year that they spend and UBI would be a portion of that spending. Correct. Let me throw this issue. Uh, the population of California um, needs about a hundred billion dollars worth of goods and services. Say I'm just throwing a number there. Mm. Um, really we have, trillion dollar economy right yeah how many how many trillions is our, our it's, GDP? we're like one of the top in the world like we outrank you know, most countries yeah several trillion dollars yeah um and uh and, and that's the amount of goods and services that we need and so instead of paying everybody through corporations um that amount of money mm. we're just going to distribute that amount of money to everybody and then they're just going to continue going on with their lives but you get what I'm like saying. That's essentially the same thing that I'm saying. It's like you're distributing money from the budget to people. Correct. The money is the budget. You're not distributing money from the budget. You are budgeting society. Okay. But the point is, is it comes out of this entire budget that the no, state you, uses. You have, you have the, you're saying, you know, oh, we, we only have this amount of money. Can we really afford to pay everybody this this other amount of money, right? You're thinking about it in those terms, I'm, right? Yeah, I'm looking at it yeah, as a no, natural no, I'm budget. Not think, it's not. It's not. It can't be thought of in those terms. This is the the natural budget that you're talking about is the productive capacity of society, and we need to apply a monetary or, or quantitative amount to that, uh, so that we can distribute smaller okay i get what you're saying and you're one you you know know, i get what you're saying right but the point of the fact of the matter is on paper financially there would have to be an allocation of funds from Uh the state's budget and my point is solve something i want them to solve problems first before they add more and more and more and more and more and then now we're overtaxing everyone and they're taking 80 percent of you know everybody's income just to be like hey you know so we can have everything and have our socialist society that is in, Democratic in the Party world wants. where there's ubi they don't take from your income they just print enough money 
to satisfy your needs given the amount of workforce that they have to satisfy your needs. Bro, we'll talk about this another time because this is too, like, like no. It's just, you, the way the way that you're explaining it, it just, to me, it just doesn't make sense because, again, I'm still looking at it from You're from still a looking at it from a financial capitalist exactly. mode. So you're yes. just like, the, the means of production and this and that, mm-hmm. and I'm like, Okay, but yeah. it's still it'd still be a number. It still would be like $3 It could be any number you want as long as that number is fungible. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's, and it reducible still be $3 to a, year. A, a small enough token that it can still be used to exchange for goods and services. Yeah. So, uh, so you could have um, a total amount of productive capacity of one, and then everybody gets 0.000001 foodstuffs. Um, per day right See, this is it's no it's too many we're gonna have to get into an in-depth conversation about this another time because this is like too like it's getting into socialism and like all different kinds oh of no and, not socialism yeah no 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 not gonna happen bro we're not i'm telling you there's i feel like california is gonna eventually kill itself with its regulation um which leads us into you know these props and like one okay, of the props yeah, that I, was you know, for I did want to talk into this talk talk about was um the prop first again there's a bunch of props. We're going to go over all the props. You guys can have, you know, kind of see our in-depth, you know, overview of them. And you can get an opposing view and a a pro view on, on each of one of these. But the first one I wanted to start with was prop 30, which is to tax millionaires for electric vehicle programs. And so, um, it basically would impose a 1.75% personal income tax on anybody making more than $2 million a year. Right? So will this pass? Probably, you know, because, what, You're this not is the, for this. This is tax the rich land, and uh-huh. you know it's a democratic supermajority. The rich are bad people. And it's and only one point seven five percent, and it goes to uh, you know a public good. Only one point seven five percent in a state that has the highest income tax in the nation. So now now that's twenty percent of your income goes to the state of California, and what is it like thirty something for percent? only people who earn more than two million dollars a year. Exactly. But my point is, is you do, you don't take issue with the fact that you're going to push the upper class out of the state of California. I think the only way you've made $2 million a year is through some sort of exploitative or no, extractive not wealth practice. Um, like Black Lives Matter? <laughs> that's that's an example of, of mean, an extractive is. wealth practice. Yeah. But um, I wouldn't say that, you know, everything that every single person is bad. That, that's the one thing about like the people who say tax the rich and, you know, the rich are terrible people and whatever. Like some people that we work with have said, um, you know, you were there for that conversation, right? I I will take I'll say that. OK. Well, yeah. yeah. Unequivocally. Eat the rich. I think that, you know, everybody's different. I think that, you know, there are bad people on the upper class that, you know, do shady stuff and, you know, have shady business practices and all kinds of stuff like that. But to categorize everybody as one, I mean, you're just as bad as, you know, a racist person categorizing an entire race. So you should only tax the evil people? No, that's not what I'm, that's not the point I'm making. Mm, The point I'm making is that, you know, California already has an 18, let me look up the actual number so I'm not misquoting. Do you know the exact... I don't know. I have I have very little opinion on this measure. I'm probably going to vote for it, and it's going to make well, a, yeah, a I, marginal I difference. Highly, I highly doubt. Maybe. I I highly doubt um, it won't pass. I, I I think they should pay income taxes on the order that uh, rich people used to pay in the United States back when it was a majority of their income. Okay. All right. Hold on. All right. Before getting back to that, so. 
Uh, right now it says the top individual income tax rate is 13.3%. So essentially you'd be raising it to 14%. And I know there was also that, that push to 15%. raise it. Huh? 15% for people over 2 million. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what was the number? 13.3. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, um, 1.75. Sorry. I was thinking it was a lower number. So essentially what I'm saying is you have California that was already trying to raise it to 18. Remember that whole push? They were trying to raise uh-huh. it to 18%. I guess so. And so for, for people making more, more yeah. than X amount. Yeah. 400,000. And so, yeah. so overall my point is, is that, you know, what are you going to do to keep the people who actually create jobs and, you know, they create jobs. Rich they people. do. Rich people create they jobs. They do. Out of thin air. What did Tesla? What was Tesla? Government he, subsidies. Ah, government subsidies. Oh, see, it's funny and, that you, it's the, funny the, that you hate on Elon, but you're so democratic, like you're so left, and you want to see change and climate change, but you hate on the dude who freaking is championing it. Like, it's like one of those things. Like, he's he's made luxury cars for rich people who should pay for quote the quote unquote luxury. They're not luxury, bro. They're, they're just pretty nice. Good. They're nice. I like them. They are. Don't worry. I have one. They're they're cool cars, but I wouldn't say it's a damn Mercedes. Like Jesus, like. I think a Mercedes is still nicer than a Tesla. I mean, even though like the interior quality, whatever. No, let, let me uh, contextualize the, the word luxury there. Um, it's a luxury to have a car in this world. Imagine if we had a car for everybody in the world, mm. there wouldn't be enough resources. It'd be impossible. It'd be ridiculous to yeah. even try to park that many cars. The America is, is the um, uh, historical uh uh, outlier for having so many cars because per of capita, the oil right? and car and, industry that and specifically we don't to we get rid of never needed that many cars per capita yeah, there but were completely I mean, viable other ways of organizing society and there's significantly exactly reasons. significantly yeah. better to use public transportation right. high-speed rail yeah, yeah. and stuff like that but the oil and uh, yeah so this so so I'm, I'm very uh skeptical of this push for electric vehicles and for mass amounts of electric vehicles if well, it doesn't come hand in hand with, with other a way areas. to reduce the amount of vehicles and resources that we devote to making vehicles. But the only way to do that is to make better cities, and that's not going to happen right. anytime but soon. We need, well, we need to do that, or else we're going to die. Well, guess what? Yeah. There's a lot of things currently on the on the table for America's and the world's end. But to get back to the props, you know, we, we do need that electric vehicle infrastructure, and somebody needs to pay for it as long as we're in this hyper-financial Okay, but, society but and it might as well point. be the rich people and that's the point with me is that again i to all you people watching i mean they're creating jobs it's great well no wait just listen for everybody who's listening yes this is probably going to pass you're probably going to vote yes for it because you hate the rich tax the rich whatever but the point is at what point is it detrimental to california society when you are actively pushing the people that are literally the ones who have the the say in where their companies are where they're headquartered all kinds of stuff like that and you're basically like giving them more and more and more of a reason to leave then what happens when you want to tax the rich and guess what they're not here anymore in the state of california the the top one percent pays it's from the last time i checked it was half or more of the state's income tax, right? Imagine a village of 100 people. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, you answered my question. I'm going to answer this with this hypothetical. Imagine a a village of 100 people and there's somebody who is an analog of Bill Gates and this village is making a tech company and because it needs um, 
the services of Microsoft in, in desperate this, yeah, yeah. For, for its village's needs. Need, they need and, those uh, phones, And yeah. Bill Gates is like knocking it out of the park and he's making a great company and he is sucking up all the capital and people are getting a little bit poorer because of it. And some evil communist mastermind comes down and snatches Bill Gates from that society and he replaces him with some random dude. And come, they come in and the society, the village, says to itself, we really need the services that Microsoft provides. Who will step up to this plate? Well, someone will step up. It's, an, it's, a, it's a little ecological niche that someone is the best fit for in that village. So where one steps away, another will continue in. And maybe that person will be less exploitative. You know, that's why we're losing that congressional seat, right? We, we <laughs> that's another thing. But we, you know, I have a problem with like the the Randian idea that there are these magical people that can just well, suddenly it's, make it's, industry it is. because it is. the industry is is made because of the need for the industry exactly. and people stepping but into that the, need. Here's the thing: is when that when those those jobs can be anywhere in the United States of America, and a business is looking at how can we make more revenue, what are they going to look at? Oh well, in California, they keep raising taxes on corporations. They keep raising taxes on personal income. You know what? All I have to do is you know move my business to Texas. That's also a reason to, for uh, more uh, public ownership of and control over public goods that we need in California, like manufacturing necessary materials. But California—that's my point—is at what point are you going to finally step up and say? You know, because again, you have an idealistic view of things, and you know, you. I don't. I don't think I do. I think I'm think very that, realistic. You think that I, it's just going to. I, I you think know, our, one of our big differences is that you have this like great man theory of history, and, and I have uh, an environmental and um, uh, geographical approach. But to, you, to history. You're, you're not taking into account the thousands of businesses that have already left, the thousands of hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people that have already left, which is leading to a lost congressional seat. And I think a house house reps or a few house rep seats. I'm not. I don't have the information off the top of my head, right? So that's revenue that California is losing from businesses leaving. And what happens when more and more and more and more leave? You have more and more people going to Texas. You have more and more people going to Arizona. You have more and more people going to Vegas and all these places that don't I'm, have. I'm really skeptical tax, of this narrative tax. that there's some diaspora of cool people from California. Um, we might have lost a little bit of population on the margin, but we're gaining in other ways. And I think it'll need a lot more years on that ticker to really develop a trend there. I don't know. I mean, I feel like the trend's been going for years and businesses have been leaving but consistently it, but for it, but years. But it really, it really hasn't. It has. How, NBC, long, how long is CNBC, years? CNBC, everybody has been talking and, about. And, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about like corporate headquarters moving somewhere and, and the administrative brains going someplace. That doesn't matter? It's it's really small on the edges, you know? So I'm more you, interested so, in the so productive Facebook, capacity Facebook, of that Apple, Twitter, buying tons of um, office space in Texas and then moving their employees over there. That doesn't matter? few thousand employees here and there you know and what happens when you consistently do things to push more that's my point is you're like you're kind of skating around what i'm saying which is I, that. I i i just i just disagree with your narrative and i'm skeptical of it given what i've been reading as well and i don't think we each of us have like the broad you know big data to to bear on this conversation um so you don't think i mean i i personally see like what has been talked about in the news from cnbc abc fox whatever yeah whatever i don't, I don't you, think that's, that's enough is. especially if it's and from fox which just loves this narrative first of all most of the stuff that i've read is from nbc so 
you know. Uh, yeah, again, sure. Whatever. I mean, we've like we can go back and forth about this all day. Yeah, I'm just and, saying. And, and the other thing I'd like to add is, as we've discussed before, uh, the Republican states with no income tax have higher no, aggregate taxes. Uh, for I, the I did classes. some. I, I looked into that a little bit more, and even it's, then, it's the implicit tax rate, not the nominal. Even one. then, <laughs> the the income tax there's none so you're saying yes in sales tax specifically we might pay a little bit more in texas or in uh you know some other states but there's still lower property taxes there's, there's less money lower. in your pocket in texas and florida that's not true that's just not true no, it is it's it, because it is they're true. saying across the board when they're talking about sales tax specifically when it's not across the board, because all the t- all the taxes in Texas are lower than California's, so yes, wow. But, it, but those taxes accumulate. Tax. So even if there's a four percent tax on the final product, the product's price has risen to cover I'm, all of the other sales taxes that have been applied in that sales chain. Tax. And that, that sales tax that goes can co- go up to like 25 percent in total. That doesn't cover. That doesn't cover um, all the other taxes when it comes to capital gains. When it comes to um, property taxes when it that's comes to all the, the main driver of why lower classes pay more in those states with no income tax sales tax only yes yes and and, wanna, and property tax make that clear. when make that the clear. landlords um uh raise the the rent to cover property tax as well mm. um they're pa- they're passing those taxes on to the lower classes and that's why those states are fundamentally uh, regressive. They do the same thing in California. What are you talking about? The same thing in, in what way? I mean, the, the property, property taxes tax, they def- yes. definitely raise, but in aggregate, um, the lower classes in California are paying lower taxes. Um, than Sale, I think you need other. to say sales tax. I think you need to no, start. No, lower taxes, saying. period. And sales tax is the major driver of that. Look, we can come back to this because, again, I still don't believe it. Because, again, if you I look up any it, huh? number, you can say what you want to say about sales tax, and that's one specific study that said, oh, my God, well, look at this, you know, accumulation. But I, I, I also if wanna... you look at the, literally look at the property tax rates, the income tax rates, yeah, the why capital are you gains talking rates. talking about smaller sections of the larger pie when i'm talking about what the larger large pie, pie here, if there's the, no if there's the, no the pie over there for income tax the total taxes that you're paying to the government mm-hmm. um uh, after please, all of please, the please we'll, we'll come back to this please send me what you read okay. because when i looked this up it was just a bunch of copy paste bs about like, the tax foundation no it wasn't the tax foundation okay, I hope and they not. were all just saying the same thing without giving like actual sources and like in-depth review mm-hmm. of it and i was like dude this is this is bull so we'll come back to this, you know, Prop 30, you know, if you want to tax the upper class more, oh you my know, God, we're still talking about Prop 30. I'm, I'm, I'm getting off of it right now. Okay. If you want to tax the upper class more, to, you know, to fund EVs, you know, for whatever, go ahead, vote yes. That's the proposition. I think it's personally going to pass simply because, you know, everybody that's a Democrat hates the upper class for whatever reason, because of lack of knowledge, whatever. Um, Prop 31, the uphold the flavored tobacco ban. How, how do you feel about this? Sure, whatever. Yeah, you don't care about it. it. I don't really care. All right, yeah, that's probably gonna pass too because it's it's California. I mean, I, I I mean it's still kind of pointless because you can still sell tobacco at smoke shops and stuff like that. So I mean, whatever. It's a little loophole, but you know that's probably gonna pass. Um, dialysis clinics, Prop Twenty Nine, probably gonna you know pass. Uh, I. I was interested in that one. Are you, have you read about dialysis clinics in California? I it thought you would be against it. Kidney dialysis clinics to have at least one physician, nurse, practitioner, or physician assistant with six months relevant experience available on site or in some cases via cases via telehealth. 
Um, it also requires the clinic's report infection data to the state, as well as publicly list physicians who have ownership interest of 5% or more of a clinic. The measure also prohibits clinics from closing or reducing services without state approval and from refusing treatment to people based on their insurance type. It's mostly for uh, for-profit dialysis uh, clinics. You said it's like for it, for-profit it, dialysis. Yeah, it, it requires them uh, to um, uphold a higher standard of care and pay their employees more, as I understand it. But see, the thing about that for me is, why do they need to have a, at least one physician, nurse, practitioner? Like, why why is that? that they... Because the dialysis companies, and there are two main chains, uh, operate like factories where the cash cows are the dialysis patients. They want as many dialysis patients in there as possible um, with as few employees as possible to watch over them. And the result is that we have a higher death rate in dialysis clinics than anywhere else in the world. And we have a higher uh, expense um, going to those dialysis clinics because they're for profit. And Mm -hmm. they don't have any incentives uh, to get people off of dialysis and onto um, uh, kid, uh, kidneys from kidney transplants. Um, they don't have any incentive to take care of the patients except to make sure that they stay on dialysis as long as possible. And this to is get different those with, with uh, uh, private? No, this is I mean, much not, worse. Uh, not with, private the, than um, the, what is it, state? Well, the, the state has an incentive um, if they're managing the clinics to uh, <laughs> make sure that they don't get uh, politically... Uh, hogtied over the management but, but of them. See, this this goes into the bigger issue of like big pharma and like how they. Oh, totally. You know, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, so, this is this is sort of a band aid in this larger terrible system that's putting people into dialysis yeah, clinics so in the first place. Like that thing of like one one of my questions is why does it matter the ownership percentage? Uh, because by and large, the the problem has been with the for profit clinics, and I'm talking about um, uh them uh, poorly training staff and okay, not no, giving the but, staff but I'm the saying, resources what they is need. The, like, for example, if, if, if I open one up, like, why does it matter, you know, that, that, that the government needs to know that I own X amount of percentage? Like, if I just open up one up tomorrow, why does it matter? Uh, you know, I suspect that's because they, they are after them legally. They're targeting the largest clinics. Um, and they're making sure that they're targeting for-profit clinics with a certain workforce attached that are the problem clinics. Um, I don't know. Especially, especially the corporate-tized ones. I just but I don't like know the specifics kind of on that. I, I just feel like it's kind of pointless to, to do that. Um, I do think that, you know, it's just, it's one of those things, like, I think it's going to pass, but it's just like, it's a bigger issue. Like it's big pharma. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it comes down to, you know, crazy insurance rates and infor- affordable health care for all. And it comes down. Well, to- it'll be, it'll be Medi-Cal um, and Medicaid that that's paying for a lot of these treatments and the cost will rise as those companies need to pay their employees more and staff more mm-hmm. um, and take greater care with their patients. And they will, they'll just pass the, the 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 profits exactly. on the state right um, exactly so, so but you know we still need to make this fix in the short term while we generate political will to make the larger fixes yeah because overall I mean the biggest thing is if they just didn't freaking overcharge people to the max to do dialysis then it wouldn't be that big of a deal because it'd be like yeah we had to hire some people so yes there would be you know they would price that into their budget but it wouldn't be a massive change I mean it's like you know when you go to like other countries and they talk about like their health care and they're like oh i got a cast my arm for like 20 bucks 
you know, within in America, it's like a thousand dollars. Yeah, and and know? and if you're interested in reading more on this, ProPublica has done a lot of reporting on dialysis clinics. That it's eye opening. Yeah, it's, it's horrifying. What's I mean, going on in there. Everything with the health industry. I mean, it's it's insane. Like the fact that you know they can do the kind of things that they're doing and overcharge people. Like the fact that we we can't with literally every other thing in society. You get a list whenever you purchase something, what you're paying for. You buy something for your car, you get you get a new car, they list out every little thing. But the health industry is just like, F- I don't give a shit. We're, they, they're probably charging you like 20 grand for masks during surgeries. This rant does feel good to hear. Yeah. yeah. So, I totally, I mean, totally commiserate. I mean, I trust me, I, I'm all for like, you know, a reform of the... Medicare system and the, you know, the, the big pharma and all kinds of stuff like that. I'm not for like, you know, socialism, outright blown, full blown socialism. I think that, you know, there should be programs to, you know, help people that are, you know, in the lower class and stuff like that. But I think it really just comes down to. I thought you were a universal healthcare fan. I, it's. Single pair. It's, it's, it's that thing of it's. Collective it's, negotiation. It's hard to get on that when like, I feel like the way you address the big pharma issue is by regulating big pharma and like making them show you like what you're paying for and also making it where they can't overcharge you. Like, oh yeah. It's definitely bullshit. that, but it's also so much more. It's, you know, but, it's about the but, level of public investment that we give them that they don't give us a return on. But, but you, you know, understand cetera, that like, for me, like, as I've said with pretty much everything we've talked about, even today, it's like, I'm one of those like, Hey, like, why don't we do something first and see how that change mm-hmm, like works mm-hmm. rather than like an incrementalist. Well, yeah, because essentially what you do is if you make universal healthcare, like universe, you, you, you know, all the stuff that you're talking about, you're still funding big pharma and their policies and the things that they continue to do. So but the do, idea behind the single payer is, is that you have uh, more uh, negotiating power uh, at the bargaining table. Yeah. And, uh, and like I'm, the union look, works, I'm not right? saying there's anything yeah. wrong with that in the sense of like, you're helping people, you know, get and, into the and you're increasing system. competition among big pharma. You're yeah. forcing them to lower prices. But that, that's my point is I feel like we, it needs to be, we need to attack big pharma with, you know, what they can do, how they can do it. Because again, oh yeah, absolutely. But we also yeah. we also need political power and collective political power to do in that. order to demand and things. It's from hard them. to do that. And they have a lot, a lot of, of power right now, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so the way to deprive them of that power is to deprive them of the disparate insurance companies managing different administrative systems and billing practices. And that's yeah, that's 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 of, one of the yeah, first steps. Different. But do you think that? Personally, that that is like one of the better steps to you know first go at. Uh, I think universal think healthcare it? in the U.S. would solve a lot of problems or go towards solving a lot of our holistic problems that mm. you didn't even think it's affecting. Okay. Cause I mean, like, like I said, it's just for me, like, I just want to see the, like the fact that again, when I go see my doctor and it's like, you see the bill and you're just like, what the, I just spoke mm-hmm. to him. Like, you know what I mean? Like nothing happened. Yeah. You took my blood pressure and you, I'm, the insurance company's paying all this kind of money. Like I feel like the insurance companies would want affordable healthcare and all kinds of stuff because they pay less money but hey i mean you know i'm just one guy yeah, they, they make a you know a percentage return on investment and if that investment is larger yeah regardless of that investment's underlying benefit you know. yeah i mean just overall i mean i i think this is going to pass you know i mean i've seen the commercials i want to live you mm-hmm, know you see mm-hmm. you seen those so i i think that this is a step in the right direction i just think that you know we need more political will to attack big pharma so that way you can go to the doctor and like you don't have to use your insurance if you wanted to get a cast yeah. for a broken arm, you know? Like, so there's a couple more. There's um, 
There was uh, the on, arts on, and music education uh-huh. funding, um, which was Prop Twenty Eight, which that, no, I, th- I think Prop Twenty Eight and Twenty Nine are gambling, right? Yeah, or is that Twenty Six and Twenty Seven? Twenty Twenty Seven is online gambling. I did want to talk about the the arts thing just there's, so people have an idea. There's of two it. on online gambling, or there's two gambling measures that I'd like to talk about last, and we should do arts funding yeah it was 26 and, and 27 sports betting um, and tribal casinos allow online and number sports one betting. as well and number one was the guaranteed abortion so there's not a lot of props um but you know just to like punch this one out prop 28 which essentially all it would do is um allocate one percent um of funding to basically money guaranteed for public schools and community colleges and a state budget for music and arts uh education so essentially it'd be like around a billion dollars um which is cool um I did see that, you know, the, the state has been trying to, you know, push for more, you know, affordable, um, what was it, uh, education, especially when it comes to like community colleges, trying to make them free and stuff like that. Um, so I'm fine if it already comes out of the state budget and it's not like an, an increase on taxes, then I'm like, yeah, I'm all for it. It's a weird one to me because it takes some of the power away from the state legislature to control the budget um, mm-hmm. and then forces it to add this 1% um, in uh, but the, from its budget. But if that's if that's what you know the people if we're all, if we're all voting for it and that's what we want, then you know I'm fine with it. You know I think that it doesn't go far enough, and I think it you know should um, advocate those funds for more than just music and arts education. I think you know. I mean, if we be, were legislators, I'd certainly want to fund schools more, much more, right? Um, but but I feel like this is one of those things where you they know, just need like some sort of minimum. It's also weird to me that it's a percentage of the yeah. budget and not like. A set number? Yeah. And you'd also want to be able to change the set number as well. Because, you know, if the budget balloons and then maybe you now have <laughs> you have this like flood of money yeah. into it that you don't need. And then well, that's why I said is I feel like it should have encompassed to, yeah, more things. They, they should reserve the ability to be able to change that number as but I'm, look, fit. And that's what sh- I pay I'm them for, really. I'm you surprised know? you're not happy about this because it's... I mean, I p- want more school funding. I'm, I'm just... I have qualms about the way that we're being asked to do this. And this but, goes to my but problem it takes with props a, It takes away power from the government. And that's good because it goes to what people want. Now... Could well, they it, want it now, but what about in two years? You know, the you state of always, things has changed. You can always remove it. You can always remove it. The, the people can always vote against it and say, like, you know, we don't need this. Oh, but that's so much effort. And I, I really, I really it, mean that so seriously. Okay, wait, you no, have no. to go through the process of getting the prop onto the ballot. You have to educate people about the prop. You have to get them to vote for it. And then it's hard to have them, you know, vote to decrease funding for something without understanding all of the issues. Neither of us really know. And I would warrant that most Californians don't really know exactly how much money the school system needs and how much is actually going to arts I, education and how much needs to go to arts education. I guess. It's, a compl- it's just been but, pulled out of their asses, that number, 1%. But, but it does take away, it gives more power to the people on what they want to see. So if people are like, hey, you know, I want to see more funding for music and arts education, even though, again, for me, I want to see is it. Is it more? It seems like more. In the way that it's phrased. It's an but we don't know. It's an additional, like from what they already get. It's an additional 1% from what they get. Yeah, can, the can they reduce the what they already get? At least 1% of Prop 98 funding, money guaranteed for public schools and community colleges in the state budget for music and arts education. So they're essentially Prop 98. Look up Prop 98 really quick because <laughs> I don't have it off the top of my head. Um, it's taking 1% out of Prop 98's funds. 
which essentially goes to all public schools and community colleges from the state budget. Is a minimum guaranteed uh, budget allocation for K through 12. Yeah. And so they're allocating a small amount of the minimum guaranteed budget um, to arts and music. What's wrong with that? I don't I don't know what is wrong or right with it. I I don't know anything about the state budget and it it's it, the weeds, you know. <laughs> that's I, mean, I that's, think uh, it's I think it's going to pass. It's one of yeah, those things Yeah, it'll probably like pass is very nice. We'll but, see you know. the outcomes and the effects of this, you know, going forward. And then like I said, trust me if people are going to, you know, get it on the ballot, they can get it off the ballot. So it's one of those one things. Would hope. It's one of those things, man. Um, let's skip around to a prop to prop one which is the abortion mm-hmm. uh rights in the state there's there's not that many there's there's two more after this and uh, you know we'll we'll be done but um this is basically guaranteeing abortion rights um in california state constitution and would amend the california constitution to enshrine a fundamental right to reproductive freedom that includes the right to choose and have an abortion and the right to choose or refuse contraceptives because rights are already protected by state law Prop 1 is unlikely to have any financial impact on California unless the court interpreted it as expanding the government's obligation to pay for contraception and blah, 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 blah. So essentially, it's just like a protect abortion rights and all kinds of stuff like that. But what I would like to see, since we're talking about this, is um, I would love to see uh, the system in which, uh, what's it called? Child support is paid, reformed. I'd love to see that reformed. Because uh, the fact that, you know, it's like cash cow for a lot of people, I think that's uh, pretty BS. I don't think that, you know. I don't know anything about the child support payment system. You don't? Well, if you, if you come on, bro. You you know, like, from, like, celebrities when they're just, like, paying their, their baby mama, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in child support. Mm-hmm. And that should not be allowed. That's insane. You're literally funding someone's life. It's like the kid... I could see ten grand a month going to something like that, but when you're giving like hundreds, what does of thousands, this have to do with, with abortion in the state constitution? Because essentially, my thing is, is like you know, if women can get an abortion, which again, I'm pro, I'm pro choice. Do whatever you want to do. Like, there's a lot of things on the men's side of things where it's like, if you have the right to kill a baby, then shouldn't a man have the right to be like, nah, I don't want to take part in this this child's upbringing if you choose to have the kid. If a woman can tap, if she again, she's the only one. Like when when she goes to that clinic. She's the only one that can make that decision. I want to kill this baby, right? And again, I'm for that. Go ahead, kill your babies, whatever. It's not a big deal. But I'm just saying, if they have the right to kill babies, shouldn't men have more rights when it comes to like child support and like other aspects of society? Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, give or take. We wanted equality, right? The you know, the argument is, and I I don't know if I'm taking much of a side for or against because I don't know so much about this yeah. issue. The argument is that the man has foisted that child upon the woman well, and nah, 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 nah. is not it's accepting any of to have a kid. It's a mu- I'm saying it's a mutual decision to have a kid, right? Like both men and women made the choice to have, you know, sex and it led to a pregnancy. If you choose to have that kid, you know, that's fine. But the thing is, is like one, if a woman has the right to kill a baby, then why doesn't a man have a right to not be a part of the baby's life? I'm just posing questions here. Okay. Don't mm-hmm. hate on me. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying like, it's kind of that thing of like, you can literally take a life, but then a man, if you choose to have that, that child, 
the man has to pay and they can pay insane amounts of money depending on their income right when i feel like it should be capped like there's no reason that dre dre's baby mama dr dre's baby mama was asking for like millions of dollars for child support it's like you're just trying to fund your lifestyle bro like that is not for the Mm -hmm. child you Mm -hmm. know i feel like it should be capped one thing that's kind of separate and then as far as you know i'm just posing the question like should men have more of a right when it comes to you know a say in in this whole baby making thing there's something that's bugging me about this uh prospect as you've um laid it out but i'll have to come back to it all right well we'll come back to it we have two more propositions left we'll start with the a uh prop 26 which is sports betting at tribal casinos and essentially what it would do is allow tribal casinos in the states um, four horse racetracks to offer in-person sports betting at racetracks sports betting could only be offered to people 21 or older age restrictions on uh, sports betting at tribal casinos would need to be negotiated by California's governor and each tribe and written to each tribe's blah 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 did it's you, a lot did you know that horse racing is a solved problem for big data if you have enough data on all of the horses that are racing and you bet on enough races you will come out on top. Okay. So when you're a big data horse racing company, (laughs) are you winning or just, you know, extracting capital from all the people who don't have that big data? You're extracting capital. Yeah. Right. Is, is whose fault is that for not doing the research? Whose fault is that for allowing horse racing to happen? Who cares? It's America, man. You can kill babies. You can do whatever. You could buy as many guns as you want. You could race a car that can go over 300 miles an hour. Like, it's America. What did what did what did Joey Diaz say? I'm I'm broadly libertarian. <laughs> People would accuse me of that. Uh, you know, I I want to see you know broader access through legal means to crazy drugs. Um, some people would say uh, I want to have broader freedoms and rights generally um you know legalize marijuana et cetera et cetera et yeah. cetera um i'm i'm very skeptical of broad access to gambling especially in a digital format and even All in an in person format well th- this in, is in, this in isn't this too. one is specifically sports betting at c- tribal casinos this isn't True. Um, you know, on this is the, the next this, one. This, the next is, one is I the think online. They're, they're both going to roll up into the same discussion here. Yeah, essentially, prop. What is it? Prop twenty seven is allow online sports betting, um, which basically licensed tribes and gambling companies to offer mobile and online sports betting for adults twenty one or older, um, outside of Native American tribal lands. Gaming companies such as FanDuel and DraftKings could offer sports bets um, if made a deal with the tribe. Stuff like that. I worked at a casino and I saw firsthand the impacts of gambling addiction and even just casual gambling um, and the problems that that caused. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're, it's impossible to beat the house at the end of the day. It's not impossible. You can do it, but they'll just ban you from the property. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think that's really winning, is it? Um, I don't know. You can walk out with a mill and then never come back. That's fine with me. I'd like to think that we should be investing our resources in uh, providing access to We're more opportunities to scratch the itch that gambling scratches um, without actually inviting this financial gameplay into it um, because that's really where the harm lies. Like in sort of, you know, um, in engaging in competitive games in flashy lights and spinny colors and 
um, risk-taking behavior, uh, that's all fundamental part of the human experience and life would be alienating without it, right? So there's yeah, like so you just gambling you, proponents would say there's there's an underlying value proposition to be able to gamble, um, and I'm not against that entertainment quality of it, right? Um, it's in using that entertainment quality as the sugar pill to hide the poison inside. That's the problem. Which um, is the, the which is which is the, the yeah it's do. it's specifically it's the use of media. And um, a, a hijacking of our brain's um, foibles in order to extract money from us and hide that process from our internal safety mechanisms. I think that that issue that you have is specifically with casinos. I have it with slot machines with and online with, with online gambling in particular, because at the end of the day, it's some flashy lights. No, 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 no. Because I think that you're you're missing, like, especially um, in this. They specifically talk about. Um, let me go back to it. FanDuel and DraftKings, right? Right. That is what sports betting, mm-hmm. online sports betting, right? So, in those instances, is it necessarily taking advantage of someone when it has nothing to do? Like, you're not playing against the house at that point. You know what I mean? When you're going, when you go to a casino, you're playing against the house, unless you play like poker or something like that, you know. So, I can't. I can't believe you're talking about this. The DraftKings and I can't remember the other one. Do they but, make a percentage? Yes, but I'm saying no, essentially, no, no. if they, I if they, I bet you, like, oh, I bet the Chargers are going to beat the Chiefs, right? That has nothing to do with like the the casino taking advantage of me in any way, shape, or form. That's what I'm saying. I feel like you well, need they're to taking advantage of you by offering you the opportunity couched in this uh, media format. Because either, but the thing is, either way, like if you were at my house and we we're watching a Chargers game, I could bet you in cash and like. Sure. You yeah. You know. So what's saying the we're gonna you know try to outlaw that or even try to regulate that. But that's what I'm saying. Like, what's the difference? The, the difference is is entirely in the. Um, uh, the medium at which they are offering you this decision and the ways in which the format and the media hides the meaning of the decision from you and makes it so easy to do and so enticing with other um, tactile uh, feedback experiences. I I think I see that issue with playing games that are against the house because they're gonna try to make as much money off you as they can. But when it comes to like, Sports betting, like they take a percentage, but that's it, right? This this feeds into my uh, fears and paranoias about uh, social media and even video games in general. I'd like us to, to go the way of Europe and start to regulate loot boxes and pseudo gambling mechanisms in video games loot as boxes. well. Uh, yeah, oh, totally. Um, and uh, so you don't like microtransactions at all? No, not at all. Uh, I mean, microtransactions in general, I, I you know, I that's that's too broad a phrase to say I don't like one thing or another. Yeah. Um, it's it's the act of gambling, um, and the depiction of that gamble in terms of flashy lights and rewarding, um. Uh, media experiences that uh, give you a little burst of serotonin and dopamine. And you don't, but like, don't the, actually, like the, that they're you. going to try and help homelessness. The, and... the scrolling mechanism in uh, Facebook, Reddit, TikTok. All social media platforms. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
it is a subtle form of gambling. They randomize the feed um, so that some things you're not going to be interested in and some things you are going to be interested in um, precisely because if they gave you everything that you were interested in, you'd get bored really quickly. Yeah. There's the act of like a surprise of good something that you actually need to throw some boring video in there. Right. They're manipulating your brain right when you are least able to control yourself, when you're on the toilet or when you are waking up or going to sleep in the morning, you're checking your phone. So is your issue more with big tech than with this? It's absolutely both. And, and so, you know, Online gambling promises to take all of the uh, hallucinatory, addictive properties of um, user interfaces now and attach more and, and more extreme amounts of money to it and make it as addicting as possible without actually providing any of that underlying value of like competition and spirit and et cetera, et cetera. But the, again, I feel like you're looking at a broad view of like casinos because of the view of casinos yeah. where... Again, like when I'm talking about sports betting, that's completely different. You know, um, yes, it's different when it comes to, you know, horse races. Like you said, if you have the data, you know, unless someone, you know, shoots their horse with adrenaline that day, then you never know. Mm-hmm. But um, overall, I mean, I'm looking at more like sports betting and I'm like, it's not that big a deal. Like, you know, I, I sports bet with my friends all the time. Everybody yeah, has their sure. fantasy leagues and, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So why not allow, you know, stuff like that online? Who cares? Not a big deal. Um the aspect of, you know, people taking advantage of like the house and playing the house. Yeah. I think that, um, you will lose more if you allow the casinos to, you know, create, you know, blackjack and roulette online. You're just going to lose more. Um, it's, it's true. I don't really get sports betting. Um, the, the number of outcomes in a fantasy sports league are so high that it's truly random your outcome there. Well, there's there's all different kinds of sports betting. That's the thing. It's like we can just bet on the game, and you like same thing. You can bet on like you know MMA fights, mm-hmm. UFC fights, yeah, whatever. Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, but you, you can, might you as well be you might as well be betting on the number of sands on the beach, uh, of grains of sand on the beach. I guess. I mean, it's it's basically a 50-50 chance, especially mm-hmm. if it's like a, you know a sports team and you know two fighters. Like you know, it's a fifty-fifty chance. Um, and there's percentages of like oh, like you know this person is heavily favored to win. So if you bet against you bet on the team that, you know, was favored to lose, mm-hmm. then, you know, you make a little bit more money. So, you know, there's there's all different things. And I think, you know, you should look into like sports betting because it is it's not you're not playing the house. There's no like you're getting screwed here. You know, it's like more of like a personal. Like I said, I bet you twenty dollars. You can't jump over that. Like it's either going to happen or it's not, you know, and you're going to lose either way. And when you do win, they take a little bit of a percentage and that's mm-hmm. it. It's not like they're like, oh. Do you have any concerns about the an increase in uh, uh, gambling addiction? I do think that um, the one I like sports betting. I feel like this. I would vote for this if it was like more sports betting. But since it's more of like casinos can do like all different kinds of stuff like that too. Um, Wait, did it say that? I don't think it did. But if it if it's more of like the casino side thing, then I, I probably won't vote for it. But if it's just more for sports betting, I don't mind. Gambling companies such as FanDuel and DraftKings. But again, it's not going to list every single company that can. Um, I don't know. I'll have to like look more into it. And I don't really, you know, it's not a big deal. I don't really care about um, gambling addiction as long as it's sports betting. Because casinos are the big one. 
that really one one kind of gambling gambling is probably the same as another kind of gambling when it comes to gambling addictions right i guess i mean like you know i'm always gonna bet on the chargers man hopefully they win a super bowl someday Mm -hmm. one year Mm -hmm. when i'm alive hopefully but um you know that's that's my decision to lose ten dollars a week or twenty dollars a week or Mm -hmm. whatever you know some people have it bad and you know well you know at the point where you get addicted to gambling it's it's not as much your decision anymore. On the yeah. one hand, you might be predisposed to that because of and so what's, what's and the solution to that? Get rid of gambling. Like it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's it's to raise the barrier of entry and lower access to gambling. Um, gambling in person with friends um, as a social activity. Again, that's one thing. There are like these like marginal rewards you're getting and directing uh, those uh, itches into other avenues as well actually playing sports for instance or playing yeah. games or um going to live games and cheering for your favorite team all that or, you know those are other solutions that's that can help betting, people as well because right? you can you can watch the game at home and you can still you can still bet on it you know without yeah, being no, there totally. it's not like necessarily like i ain't gonna be no nfl player like come on like I'm yeah and you know be, people are gonna bet too um yeah but uh in in, in the same way that like legalizing marijuana in, in states led to an increase in, in, in marijuana usage. Mm. Um, I'm sure that this is going to lead to an increase in gambling. And definitely, I, I, I don't even care if, and gambling addictions, and I don't even care if, if, if it does lead to an increase um, or it doesn't, if it doesn't it lead to an increase, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of against it as a whole. And I'm yeah. just kind of surprised at myself for coming to that conclusion. I think there's a way in, in, in which, you know, I'd like to see like governments have very fine grained control over, you know, what is now illicit drug markets, right? Um, in an and, idealistic and, world, and that, man. That involves like increasing access, but also like increasing control over that access. And so maybe there's a way um, in some sort of crazy world to have some sort of control over gambling so that we can watch problem gamblers and then divert them. But yeah. I don't think that's possible. Yeah, it's just uh, it's one of those things. Like the only way to get get rid of that issue is to get rid of gambling. I also don't think that uh, there's already a really high bar uh, or a barrier of access to online gambling. Wait, wait, but you don't like the whole they're gonna it's gonna go, money's gonna go towards homelessness and helping the tribes. You don't like yeah, that? Yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like stabbing someone and then putting a band aid on it and <laughs> saying it's all right because he paid for the band aid. Yeah, you know, um, I guess. I don't know. I, I think, you know, overall, like with a lot of these propositions, you know, most of them I are going to go like, through. I would like to note that most of the propositions seem to have something to do on some level with what are historically termed vices by the hegemony. Gambling, abortion, uh, luxury, and um, cigarettes. Healthcare? Um, like healthcare, yeah. C- cigarettes yeah. And, 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 and dialysis, which... Uh, is for people who have uh, kidney failure due to long-standing health issues that have a stigma against them because the implication is that they just weren't leading healthy lives, right? Yeah. Um, I hate the California prop system. I don't want to deal with any of this. We make too many constitutional amendments that hose each other up. We spend too much money on props, and this is precisely why I hire legislators to, to do this to, for me, to, right? To, to go in yeah. circles and spend $6 billion a year on a I don't problem that's deal with, I don't want to deal with budget uh, information, you know, unless I'm a legislature, right? 
Um, that's that's too much for for any one person but or, or a lot of people in the U.S. The, the prop, it's, have, it's funny because I'm the, skeptical of direct democracy in California the, the as it prop, stands. The prop system is funny because it's kind of like a conservative thing of giving more power to the people rather than the government and having you know more people have a say in the government and lessening it's, it's the power. It's funny that you say of, that's, that's conservative, but okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The people is, is the government. The government oh is the gosh. people. Do, is it is it true or not that you know conservatives typically want smaller? I guess government? so. I don't know. I uh, I don't know if this is smaller government though. It is in in a way because you're giving more power to the people where the government no longer has yeah, a there's this whole process issues. of uh, interest groups putting things onto the ballot. Interest groups are people, Connor. And, you know, interest yeah, groups right. are people. Yes. Yeah, we're all people. We are the and, government, as you would say. And and then people having to like you know take time out of their day to think about these things. Um, you know. That's that that's, seems to me to be a larger better, government. This is better than Gavin Newsom. Just like I'm doing this now. Like I hate him for that. I hate him for that. Uh, he, I, I don't think he's he's so unilateral, bro. The fact that he's just like, all right, six billion dollars. All right, it's happening. You know, it's a Democratic supermajority. Whatever the Democratic Party wants goes. Mm-hmm. It's just like at least you know, certain things we get to say on. Well. My note is that this seems to be more about a social need to talk about and come to a consensus on our treatment of these vices. We're saying here, probably going to say that we can have abortion in California. We can we can have gambling. This is freedom for everybody. Yeah. Um, and uh, we can't have you know flavored cigarette packs. And um, it it, uh, it it seems like it is more for our cultural benefit um, in, in terms of our Californian identity uh, but see, than when there's some legislative good props, process, right? When there's actually good props, though, you know, that are actually like, what if there was a prop that was like, you know, the, the, the government regulate is, big pharma. The, the legislature is not precluded from also having good things happen to it. And, and from passing yeah the, bills, the, the right? legislature does have good things I, I doubt I that just the, don't know the ratio of good to bad props is very different from good to bad bills right that I don't it, know man. Passed and I feel like passed. Uh, the state here just over regulates everything and uh, we're gonna push more people out of the state and then it's gonna uh, die etc etc I mean um, hey we'll see with only time will tell at the end of this year we're gonna see how many more people left the state if we keep losing congressional seats and house seats and you know we have we have uh, a way less representation than people in Wyoming. We should be getting way more uh, House yeah. congressional seats. Whatever. It's water under the uh, bridge. Oh, yeah. It's it's not going to change. Nothing's going to happen. You know, it's just a shooting shooting blanks, man. It's not mm-hmm. it's not going to lead to anything. You know. Uh, I think I wanted to to mention that um, Florida is like almost entirely uninsurable right now. And the weird thing about Florida is that. Um, uh, people all over the state wait, wait. are paying property taxes um, into the uh, Florida-managed insurance system that will pay out claims to rich people along the coast who had their houses destroyed in the hurricane that didn't need to leave there. And it is very aggressive uh, and entirely needless. DeSantis said it's a no-looting state. This is a Second Amendment state. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I find like that's kind of like a ignorant statement because if people are looting it's because they have no food and they're like trying to survive so it's kind of like i get that you're like now you're now you're talking yeah you know, yeah yeah it's kind of a dumb statement to make but hey whatever um but yeah we'll see what happens i finally i i, I really do think that 
Kamala Harris and uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats trying to talk about climate change as to why this hurricane was so bad is just kind of bull. Like, are you familiar with the science on uh, determining whether or not a weather event would have happened without uh, the effects of climate oh change? Oh my gosh! No, bro, I don't care. I no, don't you care. don't care. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's it, to me the way I view it is they have hurricanes. They've been having them for centuries. And you're just like, well, it's a little bit worse today because, you know, so much CO2 is in the air. It's like, bro, who cares? Like, a hurricane is a hurricane, okay? Like, you're acting as if, like, that hurricane wouldn't have existed because of climate change. And that's just simply not true. You know what I mean? Like, there were hurricanes before, before humans were as advanced as they were. Yeah, but this hurricane yes, is this hurricane inextricably is... linked to the world that we are now in. Oh, boy. You know? Oh you know, boy. you know how the uh, the um, uh, climate change models uh, always show the, the extremes. Yes, yes. Well, they they're actually they're pretty they're pretty conservative from the I, uh, the IPCC. Um, they're notoriously um, conservative, and a lot of environmentalists would say uh, too they're, conservative. They're, they're too conservative, and they're not thinking of the extremes. Um, because they're too horrifying. The extremes. Look, look, the thing is, climate change. We understand. It's happening. We're destroying our planet. We're destroying our oceans. We're let me destroying, let me lay you know, out some of the, the the way that the simulations work. Um, there's a there's a broad range of uh, models that predict the climate to various degrees of, of granular control, um, and they're all physics models at the end of the day. Um, and physics is about chaos and the chances of anything happening. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't just make one or two models. They make a ton. They make a ton, and then they have a range of outcomes um, within those models. And so they have, like, the bell curve of models of predictability. And so you're just basically essentially trying to tell me that, you know, if climate change wasn't as bad. So they have have, um, a whole bunch of models predicting the world as it would be without climate change. And then they have a whole bunch of models predicting the world as it is with climate change. And then they say, does Hurricane Ian happen in these models or these models how many times and they'll say they won't say with certainty it always happens with climate change because they're not but they're just saying that it plays a role in the majority of these models hurricane hap your hurricane ian happens but in a majority of these models hurricane ian doesn't happen so there's a chance that her hurricane ian happened because of climate change and climate change has there's a chance this much sort of predictive bearing on the world in this I case just, i don't like to look at stuff like that because i feel like it's just bs because it's like bro they've been having hurricanes since before we were even in existence bro before our cities were this big before whatever there's been major weather events there's to- some debate about whether or not the intensity of and, and the the frequency of hurricanes has been increasing but what's not in doubt is that the uh, sea level rise will come in the form of higher uh, storm surges in these hurricanes um, and Florida had 12 foot storm surge in yeah. some places in Miami um, one of the one of the levees in um, or the one of the one of the inlet breaks broke uh, in Miami and contributed to flooding so I mean, maybe it was a different city. Yes, climate change exists, and you know that is one aspect of things. I just don't like when you have politicians being like, "Climate change caused Ian." It's like, bro, there's been hurricanes for forever. That's the way I look at it. It's like, could it be a little bit worse? You know, yeah, maybe. But you know, 
They have Clim- hurricanes. Climate down change. There. Not only did climate change cause Ian, it also no. will cause all can you of the say, wildfires. Can you say without de- what? as well? No, no, you can't even say that. Oh yeah, poor forest management is the reason why. <laughs> uh, it's, there's, there was this great study. Um, I could do the New York Times article on it um, that uh, looked at um, the chance that a given section of forest in the western United States uh, will burn down over the next 25, 50, 75 years. Yes, because the winds are going to be so strong they're just start blowing down right. power lines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All that stuff. And um, and then and, and, and with that, they can look at, you know, were the uh, wind conditions and the environmental conditions different based on our previous knowledge of how forest fires start? But forest we fires make, would be simply... We can make broad... Uh, predictions about large amounts but of forest that. fires would be reduced if we you know insulated our power lines they weren't you know oh, yeah sure yeah definitely yeah, so yeah. there's all and kinds of reasons that contribute the, uh, to you know i think we talked about pg&e's project was one of yeah. the biggest infrastructure projects in the u.s right now to bury their uh main power lines. lines yeah yep. so that's one thing that'll reduce wildfires and you know i just my thing is I, again climate change exists i'm not denying it i'm just saying i don't want to like Make blanket statements like, oh, Ian existed because of climate change. Mm. Like, I think climate we, change could have had me, a let role. Me, let me put it this way. In, in, in a broad sense, we all exist because of climate change, and climate change exists because of us. And this reality is inseparable from yeah, other Yeah, I'm just saying I'm not going right? to state, make a blanket mm-hmm. statement and be like, wildfires would be let when it's like a lot of wildfires are caused by down power lines. You ever read uh, Isaac Asimov's Foundation series? No. Um, I don't know if I'd recommend the Apple series, but the books are pretty good. The central conceit is that this really smart guy um, figured out that there were so many people in the universe in the far future spread out over many, many planets like Star Wars. Uh, There were so many people, and he knew enough about all of them uh, that he could make accurate predictions about the future hundreds of years ahead because one entity in a complex system is really hard to predict. But the more entities you have, the easier that system is to predict, Mm -hmm. right? That's what we have right now. Um, Ian is just one entity in that system, but we have a look at down to a a few miles in a grid, um, the system of weather over the entire world right now, and it's continuing to get better and better and we can make better predictions yeah but overall we'll see you know we'll see what happens with climate change in the future and uh you know if you guys are listening uh thank you for listening and if you're on youtube or tiktok or apple Podcast, whatever comment down below like start a war in the comments we'll see you guys next time have a good week